Good morning, and peace be with you. I need to do a quick cleaning of the house or whatever, downloading, debriefing on the uh, uh, streaming. I can't even tell you uh, exactly what it is. That thing of a bob that we use to put it on that there Facebook out there, you know, where you can see me. Yeah, that's about the extent of the sophistication of your pastor and uh, IT. But anyway, this little doodad here is a speaker, and it's made by the Sure Company, and they make great speakers, or rather, it's a microphone. Excuse me, I didn't get that right. And it worked on my old iPhone, but Santa made me get a new phone. And so this worked two Sundays on the new phone, and now it does not. Now, I got to thinking, maybe it's my microphone, but it's not. The microphone works just fine, and it's a Facebook interface problem with this. So I know that we have many people that are watching right now and or will watch during the week, and it's frustrating to you because you can't hear because I'm using the phone's internal mic to hear it. So it's echoey or it's not loud enough. And so to my Texas tornado, Miss Jean, I am so sorry that you can't hear me real well because I talk loud enough. I would think you could hear me all the way out to Lubbock, but maybe not. And, uh, and I know you're not in Lubbock. I think you're in, in and around Houston. But anyway, I'm sorry, dear friend, that you can't hear me and all the others out there. It's, it's this thing. I've got a crack team of IT guys. Well, one guy, and that's my son, David, and he's taking care of it. So please bear with me. In the future, we'll do better. Uh, we're praying on it. We're running down everything. But it's, it's a headache, so I apologize. So uh, I'm one of those extra grace required kind of pastors. Also... We have uh, a bulletin in here, and I would encourage you to take a look at that, of the happenings around the campus. Even though I don't know that we've officially been loosed uh, from the binds of COVID and coming together, um, we are starting another Bible study. And it actually, the first time was two weeks ago. It's on Tuesdays at 12 over in the social hall. We are studying the book of Luke. And it is a good time. I encourage you to come. In addition to that, for Lenten season, we will be starting another Bible study. And that will happen at noon as well on Wednesdays. And that is based on a devotional for every day of the Lenten season. So I encourage you to come to that. All of a sudden, you hear me say the word Lent. Well, that's the season that's coming. And don't blink, because it'll be Easter here pretty quick, too. So a lot of things are happening. We are gathering. If you wish to come, come. Uh, We are doing uh, the protocols that uh, helping to mitigate uh, the COVID by coming in. Your temperature is taken. You get your own bulletin. uh, Mask as you come in. Washing your hands with uh, the uh, uh, soap and the... uh, sanitizer and all that good stuff. So come if you'd like. And if you can't come or decide it's not good for you to come, then know that we love you. We respect that choice. And we look forward to seeing you when all of this is passed. So that's about all I have to say. 
It is 9.08. Let us start the service and let us worship as unto the Lord.
now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us take a moment for silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, 
Let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully, make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 29 through 35, and can be found on page 142 in your pew Bible. Uh, we've all heard the story of Exodus, where God led Moses and the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into a dramatic meeting at Mount Sinai. With Moses, he gave his laws for right living. So this is Exodus 34, 29 through 35. 
When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. When he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. We will read Psalm 50, verses 1 through 6, responsively, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. This psalm describes God's strength and power, and that we will be used to that it will be used to judge His people. So, Psalm 51 through 6. The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. Gather to me this consecrated people who make a covenant with me by sacrifice. The epistle this morning is taken from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 18, and then chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This can be found on page 1797 in the Pew Bible. The reading in 2 Corinthians refers to our reading from Exodus. In this case, the veil hides our hearts and minds from Christ's ministry and our redemption. So listen, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18, and 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, and can be found on page 1567 of your Pew Bible, 1567. Mark 9, verses 2 through 9. Now, after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so very frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. It said, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
Amen. In the name of Jesus. The uh, count today of the transfiguration of our Lord serves to bring an end to the epiphany season. And it does a really good job at it. And it prepares us for the season of Lent. The season of epiphany, as you know, is a a time of revelation of Jesus to the world. That is, the season is one that I would say, ta-da, here's Jesus. And as I was preparing, I was thinking every Sunday is an Epiphany Sunday. Every word that comes from my mouth must proclaim the Epiphany of who Christ is. Amen? So it's just a good reminder. Then now the season of Lent is a time of repentance. It's a time that we prepare and consider the events that surrounded the suffering, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The transfiguration is a absolutely remarkable epiphany of both God the Son and God the Father. And at the same time, the transfiguration points forward to the salvation that Jesus will earn for all of us on the cross. Christ in him crucified. When we know, having just read that, that the Lord invited Peter and James and John to a secluded place high up on a mountain. And when they arrived, Jesus changed his appearance. We know that because his clothing became radiant, intensely white. It even, in our uh, reading this morning, it said, as no one on earth could bleach them. They were that white. And then we read that Moses and Elijah, they appear. Now, neither Mark nor any other evangelist tell us exactly why did Moses and Elijah show up. Don't tell us. In fact, yesterday we were talking about that in our men's Bible study, you know, and, and the best we can do is perhaps. And, and I think you're pretty close, you know, uh, really. Um, perhaps it was because Moses and Elijah were such powerful figures in the Old Testament. Perhaps the first century Christians didn't need an explanation. And somehow, between then and now, we kind of wonder what's the significance. And that's okay. 
We read that by the time that Moses and Elijah show up, Peter is in shock and awe. And one of the characteristics and symptoms, I guess you could say, of Peter, in he's in his shock and awe state, is that he usually manages to put his foot in his mouth to say something kind of Peter-like, right? To do something kind of Peter-like. And my name's not Peter, but I am very Peter-like. How about you? Yeah, I'm here. Amen to that, Pastor. (laughs) Which one? Are you like him or are you saying I'm like him? So he puts his foot in his mouth. But this time, um, (laughs) he really demonstrates that he doesn't get it. He does not understand what is happening before his eyes. And Peter said this. He said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then later on, when Peter told the story to Mark, he himself admitted, we know that, because he admitted he didn't know what he was saying. And that's why Mark wrote this, Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. The first problem is this, is that Peter wanted to make three tents. Why is that a problem? Well, he was basically saying that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were equals. Now, we have, and and we should have, uh, a great deal of respect for the persons of Moses and Elijah and the work that God did through these men. But they are not God. Only Jesus is God. And as great as Moses, I almost, okay. As, as, <laughs> as great as Moses was and as great as Elijah was, they were still sinners. And Jesus, we know, is sinless. And even though Moses and Elijah are very important, just like John the Baptist, when he proclaimed that he's not worthy, and nor are they to untie Jesus' sandals. It's important for them and important for us to answer the question, who do you think you are compared to God? Now, one also gets the impression that Peter was thinking in terms of staying on that mountain forever. What a mountaintop experience. Why would you want to leave? Think of the company that you're keeping. And Jesus had already begun in Mark 8, verse 31, to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And, he revealed to them, after three days he would rise again. So we notice again that the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. It made 
way more sense to Peter to stay up on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. And in his ignorance, Peter is still trying to deny the cross for Jesus. We are like Peter. And we often look to the demonstration of Christ's power as the greatest expression of his glory. We get kind of taken in and overwhelmed by the wow factor of the miracles and of his radiance on the mountain of transfiguration. We rightfully do praise him for healing the sick and driving out demons and raising from the dead and so forth. But as wonderfully mysterious as these historical accounts were then and are now, these really are not the ultimate expression of his glory. If if Jesus were only a miracle worker and a bright light on a mountain, we would all be in a big heap of trouble. The presence of God in all of his power is, is a terrifying thing. The first thing God's presence does is make us aware of our utter depravity in his presence. That's what I mean by the question, who do we think we are compared to God? And who are we? We are sinners. And we deserve the punishment of his wrath. His power demonstrates that there is nothing we can do to stop that punishment from crushing us. If all we have is God in his power, then we are truly doomed. However, the greatest glory of God is not, it is not in his power, it is in the weakness of the cross. We better explain that, and I will. The transfiguration points us to the cross. In fact, it is the goal of all the epiphanies of Jesus to point us to the glory found on the cross. It doesn't mean a whole lot when an ordinary man dies on a cross, right? I mean, they were crucifying people all the time. Did you know that one of the Caesars... I mean, it's not just one of them. It was Julius before he became the emperor. He got kidnapped by pirates. And upon him being released, they, they, they crucified them. And it's kind of a funny story that, uh, well, it's funny, kind of ha-ha and strange to me. When he got kidnapped, they sent to ransom him. And they told him that they were going to ransom him for, I think it was 20 denarii, I believe. It's of silver, right? And the, and the, the exchange rate from then to now would be like $600,000. And 
And Caesar, this Caesar, laughed at his captives, or captors. He laughed at him. He goes, you're not asking enough. You need to ask for 50. And they looked at him, and they did. And it took a little while to assemble that money, but they did get it, and he was released. He went back, and he amassed through his own money uh, a group of people, and they went and they captured him, and they were going to crucify him. And the pirates begged. They're like, hey, didn't we have a good time? (laughs) I mean, you know, come on, man. We let you go. And he agreed with them, and so all he did was uh, he slit their throat. And then he crucified him because he was a man of his word. So crucifixion of just a man means very little. Now the epiphanies of Jesus Christ tell us that this was no ordinary man. This is a man who has the authority to command the waves and the wind. This is a man who has the authority to heal diseases, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. The epiphanies of Jesus Christ teach us that he is not only man, but he is God. The Epiphany season teaches us that when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they were not just nailing a man to the cross, they were also nailing God to the cross. And so when Jesus suffered on the cross, both man and God suffered. When Jesus died on the cross, Both God and man died. And when God and man died in the person of Jesus Christ, we were set free. We were set free from the punishment, from the shame, the guilt of all of our sin. We were set free. We were set free because that death Jesus made, in that death, he made us his brothers and his sisters. He made us children of the Heavenly Father. He restored our relationship with God. The season of Epiphany helps us to see that the true glory of God The true glory of God is on the cross. Peter and James and John did not understand this until they saw it with their own eyes. And that is one of the reasons that Peter put his foot in his mouth so often he didn't understand. Now, while Peter Peter was busy talking, we read that God the Father revealed himself as well when he said, uh, or when we read that a cloud overshadowed them, overshadowed them, and a, 
a voice came out of the cloud and it said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. God the Father identified Jesus as God the Son. Then he told the disciples to listen to him. For all the words in the law of Moses and all the words of the prophets ultimately have their source in Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God in the flesh. The Word became incarnate. And when he says he is going to Jerusalem to suffer and die, listen to him. And when he says that he will rise on the third day, Listen to him. And when he says that he does this all for you, listen to him. Peter, James, and John, they still didn't get it. When they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. And Jesus had to silence them because they did not understand. The day would come when they would understand, and that day would come after they saw the soldiers arrest Jesus and lead him away. And that day would come after they ran away and abandoned him. And that day when they would understand would come after they knew that he was dead. And that day would come when they were locked behind closed doors because they thought that they were next on the to-do list of the Jewish authorities. That day would come In fact, that day came when they understood as Jesus stood in the middle of his little band of terrified followers and he announced this, peace be with you. And when Jesus showed them that he was back from the dead, then they began to understand Jesus had conquered sin. He had conquered death, and he had conquered the power of the the devil. He had earned forgiveness, life, and salvation for all people. His resurrection meant that all the promises that he made would come true. The season of Epiphany is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. That revelation teaches us that Jesus is both God and man, and Epiphany prepares us for the glory of the cross. And the cross is the place where the God-man, where Christ Jesus fought for us, and won the victory. And that victory 
gives us all true life forever with him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand if you're able.
Let us confess our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed, found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray together for all people in accordance to their needs. Heavenly Father, you revealed your glory in the transfiguration of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who tabernacled among us in the flesh. Open our eyes of faith that we would see him continuing to tabernacle among us here in the divine service, and that we would heed your admonition to listen to him as he forgives and preserves us at the font, the pulpit, and altar. Lord, in your mercy, Holy Father, with the appearance of Moses and Elijah at our Lord's glorious transfiguration, you revealed to us that all the law and the prophets are fulfilled in him. Send your blessing upon all pastors and servants of your church, that all their preaching and teaching would flow from the right understanding that all Holy Scripture testifies of Christ and all that he has done and continues to do for the, our eternal salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Father, from whom every fatherhood under heaven is named, support and bless every Christian home, that husbands and wives would be devoted to one another, and parents would pass on the faith to their children by word and deed. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty Father, you alone establish all authority on earth. Bless those entrusted with this responsibility, both here and abroad, that they would serve with integrity and honor and for the well-being of all. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Father, Graciously comfort and strengthen those who are sick, hospitalized, or enduring treatment. We pray that they would know your peace and receive healing and relief according to your gracious will. Be with those who are lonely, depressed, or mentally ill. 
Surround them with those who know your redeeming love and will mercifully care for them. Grant steadfastness to those near death, comfort to those who grieve, and the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to all your children. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, how lovely is the dwelling place of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gives us sinners to eat and to drink of his flesh and blood here at the holy altar. Grant to all who come to this feast today repentant and believing hearts, that in the blessed sacrament they would receive forgiveness, life, and salvation, and be strengthened in faith toward you and in fervent love towards one another. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we gratefully remember on this day the glorious manifestation of your Son's divinity on the Mount of Transfiguration. Teach us to listen to Jesus and ever fix our eyes on him and his innocent suffering and death for our forgiveness. By your grace and mercy, strengthen us to remain faithful in all circumstances of trial, temptation, and persecution. Preserve us to the end that we may die a blessed death, believing in your beloved Son, with whom you are well pleased. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up our hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. Sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, 
Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This feast is a foretaste of the feast to come. But this feast does miraculous things. When we listen to Jesus, and he says, this is my body, this is my blood, we listen to him, and we trust in him, and we believe him, his body, his blood, for you, for the forgiveness of sins, a means of grace, protection, rescue, from sin, death, and the devil. You may be seated. The table is prepared.
about Christ and him crucified and every jot and tittle in the Bible points to Jesus every jot and tittle is an epiphany of who he is to you when he says listen to him my prayer is that I be given ears to hear and my prayer is that for you as well amen May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name, the song comes up.
When my strength is failing The end draws near And my time has come Still my soul will sing your praise I'm